Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Sunday evening or a Monday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. want to wish everybody out there in Mississippi who's uh, surviving through this horrible storm right now, giving, letting you know that Robbie and I are thinking about you, definitely in our prayers. Uh, those of you especially down on the coast, uh, we have been uh, thinking about you. Please be Please keep up to date with everything that's still happening as this hurricane passes through the state. Uh, you can go to supertalk.fm or check out any of your local Supertalk affiliates. We've got constant updates happening uh, on that. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Uh, tomorrow, chances are you may not be going to work. May not be going to school uh, here in Starkville or in Tupelo. But if you are and you need to start your day the right way and you're going to need to on a miserable rainy day, definitely head over to Strange Brew Coffeehouse and grab something that grab one of their fantastic custom-made drinks. I don't know if you saw these, uh, Robbie. The Albino Squirrel, as you may or may not know, one of their most popular drinks, right? I've had it. White chocolate, hazelnut, delicious, right? Yep. They that's made, one of the that's one of the few coffee well, drinks that I'll drink. Let me tell you. They made some white ha- some Albino Squirrel brownies. Okay, I'm in. White chocolate brownie with yes. the hazelnut cream oh. and like some coffee uh, icing. And uh, some those 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 little, the little coffee beans they give you the chocolate covered crushed up coffee beans on there. Okay, I, I can deal with the crushed up coffee beans Ooh. for the rest of it. I mean, I tell you that that doesn't sound too bad to me. No, I, I I will eat it. So that's the kind of stuff they always have over there, and it's not just coffee over there, man. They've got incredible baked goods at all times. So make sure you start your day the right way. Strange Brew Coffee House. Whether you're looking for a baseball national championship shirt or you're ready to start getting into football with a new polo, College Corner is the place to go. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Whatever you need, maroon and white. If you want to wear it, if you want to put it up in your house, on your car, or take it to the tailgate, they've got you covered at College Corner. Our good friends at Humble Taco are ready to welcome you this football season. When you are in Starville, make sure Humble Taco is on your to-do list. If you didn't get a chance to check them out this spring for baseball, you really missed out. Don't miss out this fall. Great food, unique food that you're not going to find anywhere else in the state, maybe anywhere else in the country. A a menu of Mexican favorites that are spun off of your favorite Southern classics. It's Mexican fare with Mississippi roots at Humble Taco. Robbie, it's supposed to be press conference Monday. We got word uh, later on Sunday that that may not be the case, that they don't know if you know the, what the power situation is going to be like. So we may not be talking to Mike Leach uh, today. One of the things that would always happen, though, is you know you get the game notes, and in the game notes would be a preliminary depth chart. I think you and I have been in this game long enough to know that there's going to be a lot of ors or maybes or possibilies on those depth charts. They're basically not worth the print paper they're printed on. It's not like Mike Leach sat down and put pen to paper and said, okay, here it is. It's just a guessing game. Yeah. So what we're going to give you here is our, uh, not our even our best guess. You can take our word to the bank, which will probably be closed today. 
This is the depth chart. This is what I expect to see and what Robbie expects to see Saturday against Louisiana Tech. We are in game week. Let's get the depth chart going. We know it's Will Rogers on the top. Yeah. I used to love these depth charts that Mississippi State would put out, when, especially when Dan Mullen was here. Remember they would have guys on there that were like out for the season. Tobias, yeah. Tobias Smith was on there one time. He had like graduated. Yeah. And uh, it just got comical at that point. And, and you know, well, remember, remember, was it? I guess it would have been sixteen. The first week it was quarterback Nick Fitzgerald or Damian Williams or Elijah Staley or Nick Tiano. It yeah. was like, just don't do it. Yeah, just don't do it at that point. But yeah, th- these are always just a, a grain of salt. But we're going to give you, like Brian said, the 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 depth charts that we feel like the depth chart that we feel like Mississippi State is going to put out on the field in game one. So let's do it then. And Will Rogers, obviously, at the top. I think Jaquavius Marks alongside him in a traditional single back set. I, don't, I, I just, as much as I like Dylan Johnson, I think Marks has had a fantastic training camp, and I think he's definitely earned that starting job. I think he's locked that down. I mean, he looks like a guy that is absolutely locked in at this point. Had a, really, had a pretty good season last year uh, as a true freshman. I mean, he had his bumps in the roads, but. Uh, just consider how many times he touched the ball last year. I mean, that is – you can't take away the experience that he got last season. Now he's added on some good muscle, looks the part of an SEC running back, I think, closer and closer to looking like a guy like Colin Hill or somebody like that, chiseled up dude, very athletic. I think he's locked in at that number one spot for Mississippi State at running back. He's a guy that if State can find the right ways to use him, put him in positions to be successful, can be an explosive playmaker for Mississippi State. Yes. If they don't, it's going to be like last year. He's going to catch 60 passes for 300 yards. Mm-hmm. But if you put him in space, if you get him the ball heading downfield, if you can get him out wide with one guy to beat, he's a guy who can make big plays for you. Now for the question that everybody wants to know, the, big, the, the four wide receivers. Mm-hmm. One guy I, I can write in an absolute permanent ink sharpie is Jaden Wally. I feel like everybody else is in a state of flux. There's some guys who are more locked in than others, but there really isn't a combination outside of not having Wally that Leach could throw out there, and I would be surprised by. So you give me the three guys to go alongside him. Well, first of all, I'm going to put a, a caveat with this. Okay, I think Malik Keith's going to be a starter. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to play week one. We haven't talked much about that, though, the potential discipline area uh, actions from the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Malik Heath seems like an easy choice to possibly miss a game. Yeah. And I, that's been something that we've been hearing since, you know, January, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, that's That would not be a surprise at all. I've, in fact, I'd be pretty surprised if he played. So I, I'm expecting him to sit, which means probably have Tulu playing in that spot he's been injured some though you know is is he ready I don't know we haven't been able to to see a whole lot of him since his injury I think he got uh, maybe a minor concussion or something mm-hmm. so we haven't been able to see him out on the field a whole lot since that point I don't know what his health is I've heard that he's fine if that's the case then you feel pretty good about putting him there too okay. and it's it's interesting we've mentioned this a lot about just how different these wide receivers are you go from one guy uh, with a stature like Malik Heath to another guy like Tulu Griffin that are com- two totally complete opposites, receivers. but they're playing the same position. Yeah. But you can get something out of both of them, mm-hmm. and I think Tulu's would be perfectly fine slide into that spot. What's interesting is 
to me, if if Heath can't play in this first game and you bring Tulu in, that's not a problem for me. But Heath gives you some things that you've got to replace. A yeah. big possession guy, a guy that on third and three you can run a little slant with and he can get in front of the defensive back and out-muscle them. So that becomes – you have to replace that. Who replaces him? I don't think it's Tulu Griffin because Tulu Griffin is a whole different uh, skill set. Who's a bigger receiver that they can bring in? Is that Makai Polk? Yeah, but, and that's you know another position. He, mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a starting spot too. Right. Uh, Caleb Ducking can step in there and, and be a guy that gives you some extra reps that, that is a big, tall wide receiver, had a pretty good camp. He's going to be running probably behind Polk. And then Quentin Torbor's had a really good camp too. Yeah, he has. And it, you know, all three of those of the guys. the biggest surprises of yeah, this offseason. yeah. And uh, I think he's really stepped up. I mean, that's one of the players that I felt like he's for sure going to be moving on somewhere else. But to his credit, I mean, you got to credit that kid for fighting through that and not going the easy route and transferring out and saying, I'm going to get better. Because that's what he's done. I, I think he's going to earn some playing time this year. So, Makai Polk and Jaden Wally, I feel like, are almost constants for Mississippi State in game one. And Malik Heath would be. Then you got the slot, which mm-hmm. I think is all of a sudden very intriguing. I mean, interesting. I think coming into camp, we all would have written Austin Williams' name in there. Yeah. But Jamire Calvin, which shouldn't be a huge surprise. Experienced guy, knows the system, talented player. He's made a push to take this job away from Austin Williams. He has, and again, two completely different wide receivers. Austin Williams is a possession guy. Mm-hmm. Now, he has shown the ability to get yards after the catch this year. Showing the ability to get downfield and have a big, you know, big gain, but for the most part, he's going to be the guy that gets gets to the change, makes the catch, and gets past them for a first down. Um, Jameer Calvin has been an excellent route runner. Uh, uh, I would call him a pesky route runner, a guy yeah. that's just it's tough to contend with. He's not a big guy, but he just gets open and catches the football, which is what you want in this offense. He can be a deep threat, and he can be a guy that can you know, catch and go. So I think he's definitely making a push for that spot. I believe both of those guys will play. But um, as to who starts, that's going to be interesting to see. I, I would give the edge to Austin Williams right now. He's mm-hmm. been pretty much – the starter most of the year, most of the camp so far, mm. but um, it's, 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 it's a one A one B. Yeah, I, I think either one of those guys. I don't really care who starts. You're going to see a lot of them. And and the thing to remember is, and I think Austin Williams or and Calvin, obviously Calvin's going to know this. Austin Williams would know it too. It doesn't really matter. Both guys are going to catch fifty plus passes this year if if things go correctly. If they're doing their job and Will Rogers right. is doing his. So give me your four starters for this game. My four starters are. Um, Jaden Wally, Makai mm-hmm. Polk, mm-hmm. Uh, Austin, Wilson, Austin Williams, mm-hmm. and Tula Griffin. If if Griffin is healthy, I'm going to agree with you. If it's not, that's probably Caleb Ducking. Is that you think that's the guy, or is he on the other side? Uh, he's been working behind Polk. It, it really so is I don't crazy. Th- I, it might, maybe it's interchangeable. I don't that's know. what I'm saying. It really is crazy how inflexible it seems with some of these. You know, you think receiver is receiver. Especially yeah. when you're running a lot of option routes, I just think they just put them out there. But it really is kind of locked in that you know one side is one side and one side is the other side. And you know, outside and inside is two different things. I you know I I the other day I was trying to get some information out of Steve Spurrier and he didn't want to tell me uh, because you know I, I talked about an inside receiver and he said, well that's that's yeah. not my guy. Yeah, you know that's that's Dave Nichol. You have to talk to him. Yeah, so. 
it's they they legitimately work with the outside receivers. Dave mm-hmm. Nickel works with inside receivers, yeah, and that's their guys. I mean, they they watch them. I think on the field when they're in those situations, but other than that, they kind of stick with their crew. Then we have the offensive line. I think we feel very confident saying Charles Cross will be the starting left tackle. And I feel confident about the rest of these these positions, but I don't think, again, nothing is just in Sharpie. But I feel like going left to right, you're going to go see what? Cross. Cameron Jones. Cameron Jones at left guard. Yes. Uh, LaQuinston Sharp at center. Right. Dollar Bill is at right guard. And Scott Lashley at right tackle. If Lashley's healthy. Yeah. And that's the big component. I mean, he's just he can't seem to be a hundred percent in there. Uh, but you kind of need him. You need him to be there, and you need him to be good because it starts to really mess with that offensive line continuity when you take one piece out. It feels like if he isn't healthy for this one, Cam Jones would slide down to right tackle, and that'd probably be Cole Smith at left guard, right? Yeah, that would be the easiest thing to do. And you feel I, good about that. You, though. you would feel okay. Cole Smith played well at guard. You would feel okay, and Cam Jones played right tackle for a yeah. large portion of last season. So you know you'd feel good about that. Cole Smith was a starter all season long. Mm-hmm. I know he was at center, but um, you know held his own as a blocker. It was just snapping in blocking that was kind of an issue for him. Uh, so uh, I, I feel good about him blocking from that standpoint, and I feel good about the the top five guys mm-hmm. i think the offensive line is solid in that starting group it's just how are they beyond that is the question and can they stay healthy yeah i agree i mean this team has some depth if they have more on defense than they do on offense but de- depth is you, you you've got they have much more depth than last year yeah for sure for sure on the offensive line you've you could probably get out of that seventh and maybe even that eighth guy and still feel okay once you get past that it's a little sketchy but i think Honestly, outside of Alabama, it's probably that's probably the case for just about everybody. Defensively, obviously, the loss of Jordan Davis is a big one. Uh, he was sort of penciled into one of those defensive end slots. I, I think they start with Crumity in the middle, and then Charlton at one of the ends. Who's the other one? Uh, I, because well, I'll I be think, honest with you. Well, I, w- I was going to say that Crumity's going to be on the outside be the, with on Charlton. The outside with Charlton yeah. and then Pickering in the middle? Or yeah, Cam or Young. Cam Young. Yeah, he's been kind of running with the ones most of the – fall camp i mean he's yeah training camp sorry yeah hey before we move on how about your guy zach arnett the other day what'd he say what'd but, he say well somebody had mentioned is there a big drop off mm-hmm. between the ones and the twos and he said well oh, yeah that's, great that's, great answer i mean that is a all-time answer was like that in well, 2014 yeah there is a drop off between the ones and the twos that's how it's supposed to be if you don't like it get better i love coach I mean, collins but are you listening that's just that's awesome. This yeah. guy's going to be a head coach. I'm supposed to talk to him this week. I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, I don't like your I don't like your question. I, I, you know what? He can tell me whatever he wants. One of the things that gets you about defensive end, though, we were talking about uh, a second ago with Malik Keith, is that Demonte Russell's a guy who's moved up the depth chart. He strikes me as a guy who might miss this game, though. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. Um, I think this is a game Jack Harris is going to get a, a lot of reps. It seems like Randy Charlton's probably moved into a spot where you feel really comfortable with him He's had out a great there. camp. Yeah, he has. I mean had a good if, spring too. If Jordan Davis was healthy, this would be, be hell on wheels. You know, top re- half over top half of the league. I try to tell you about Jordan Davis. That guy's a a monster. It's yeah, he's, he's been outstanding and that's what makes it so tough that he had that injury when he did because mm. he was I mean he was looking like a you know Potential All SEC guy. Yeah, I mean, he was looking like he a was consistently in second, the back third round pick or something. I mean, going up against Charles Cross. 
and was having great success. Yeah, so uh, that's tough. But, I mean, all that means is these other guys have really got to step up. And they're a, a lot of unproven guys. They're talented. But, you know, Randy Charlton hasn't proven anything in the SEC. DeMonte Russell's played three games his, his freshman year. Hadn't played in a year. Uh, Jack Harris played a good bit last year, but is he ready yeah. for that? So those guys are the ones that you're you're worried about stepping up. You're not worried about Jaden Cromedy. You you need Aaron Odom to step up this year. You need yeah. you mentioned and it, and and he's been dealing with a sickness. He's just yeah. getting acclimated again. So Russell's a guy that once he's back, if, assuming he misses this one, and when you when you signed him, you thought okay, that guy's a big time pass rusher going to. This is year three. Yeah, it's time to deliver on that. You know what? What? What impact can Javon Banks have this year? Yeah, I don't think he's the next Aaron Donald or anything, but he, you know, can be a good player for Mississippi State. I think the good news is you got three guys, not four. Yeah, up front. Yeah, that's one less guy that you have to worry about as far as depth's concerned. And you can artificially create depth. You can. You can put can move t- from end. And tackle. you can put and you and you can put you know Tyrus Wheat on the edge acting like a an extra Tyrus Wheat can put his hand down too if you need him to yeah so I mean you I think and that's I think Zach Garnett does that as good as anybody mm-hmm. disguises some of their weaknesses and I'm not saying defensive lines are weakness but right now we don't know you know if they have some issues up front on the defensive line mm-hmm. he can find a way to to masquerade that a little bit yeah. He can get a corner blitz, a safety blitz from somebody. So, uh, but you you need those guys to step up. You need them to be good up front. I like State starting three linebackers, but depth. This is the one spot on the field where there there really isn't any proven depth for Mississippi State. No, you're correct. I mean, when you're talking about Sherman Timms being one of your more proven guys, mm-hmm. you know, That's no offense great. at all to him because he's worked his butt off and earned a scholarship. Scholarship player now, yeah. and uh, he deserves it. But. You know that's a that's a guy that until last year had had not played hardly any defense for Mississippi State, so uh, you know they're counting on him this year to step up. Jet Johnson's reps have gone way up now. Yeah. I mean he's going to have to come in and be a number two guy. Ty Cooper sounds like a guy who may not redshirt this year. He may. Play. Oh, I fully expect him to play. He's yeah. been he's been second team, I think, for a good. He's been running. He's had yeah. a lot of second team reps since. Are you Early. surprised it's him and not John Lewis? It, a little bit, but I think John Lewis is. I I haven't had this confirmed. I don't think, but I think he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury too. Okay, so um, you know, and he while while immensely talented, I think Ty Cooper was ahead of him from a from developmental, developmental standpoint. Yeah, for sure, Lewis from just understanding yeah. defense and being yeah. you know. I, I think about Ty Cooper, if he would have come in the spring, that guy would be way ahead of the curve right yeah. now. I mean, he, he looks like he gets it already. Mm-hmm. There, there's still work to be done for him. I'm not, I'm not expecting him to come in and be freshman all SEC, but mm-hmm. I do expect him to get on the field this season. The starters, though, as we mentioned, Watson, Brule, and Wheat, that's a good group. That, that's yep. a good group. I think Brule's potential all-SEC guy. I think Wheat, maybe not all-SEC, but he's the guy who's going to get six, seven sacks this year. And then Watson, you know, Replacing Errol Thompson is obviously going to be difficult, but he, he's a good enough athlete that you don't feel like you're going to be missing him from a physical standpoint. It's just a leadership standpoint, mm-hmm. which I think Brule can give you. Yeah. So I like that group. And you need – Deshaun Page needs to step up. He does. He needs, he's Rodney a Juco, Juco transfer. 
you expect your junior college players to come in and make an impact. That's why you recruit them, to kind of bridge the gap between you know the high school guys below them and the seniors. So you need him to step up. You need J.P. Purvis to, to make a difference on the defensive side of the ball. It's been a, it's been a while since we've seen a yeah. lot of him. Yeah. You had the car wreck. He, he and DeMonte Russell both had that car wreck, yeah. and that really left a – um, you know, lasting impression on those guys. Yeah. yeah. So um, you need both of those guys, I think, to really step up. And, and, you know, some guys that haven't proven a whole lot, they have to take that next step. I love Emerson and Forbes, as you know. I'm a mark for those two guys. Uh, but then behind them, again, depth is a huge concern. Very big, very big concern. If there's any injuries there, I mean, you might have to think about moving a safety. Jalen Green would probably be the first guy. Yeah, I mean – it's very, very thin. That's why you're seeing Mississippi State continuously go after defensive backs in this class. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably hit the transfer, transfer portal. Transfer portal, yep. Yeah. yep. Um, they do need a JUCO or two at this at this because spot. Because Emerson is likely to go pro this year, and then Forbes is likely to go pro next year. If, if Emerson goes pro, it means he's had a really good season, mm-hmm. and I think that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. So – and you would like that. You you want him to go pro because it means that he stayed healthy right. this season and right. he had a really good year. Guys who go pro early nine times out of ten are guys who have had good years. Yeah. You know, the Kylan Hills are sort of rare. And even then that was a situation where he wasn't on the team anymore. Right. You know, those guys you know it's one thing. And he was he was a senior basically. Right. I mean, he yeah, had yeah, another I guess year. That's a good point. He didn't really leave early. Yeah. But you see what I'm saying. But he he did enter the draft. Yeah. Before I, I feel you know, I feel Emerson, and this is probably his last year at Mississippi State. He's just too highly rated by people who watch football. Yeah, you know the pro football focus guys. They love him. They love him. So Cameron Richardson. Yeah, DeCameron Richardson. Size Furge is your is your top two behind him. Furge had that interception against LSU, and we were all like, "Well, maybe he's okay." And then the rest of the year he wasn't. And, and remember, we were kind of surprised that he started right at cornerback with all game Forge one. Start as a freshman, right? So. Game. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise, and then Furge had the interception against LSU to end the game, and kind of came in after three games. Furge struggled a little bit, and you know, before long, he just kind of took over out there. So, uh, you know, Furge and and Richardson, they're going to have to be ready when their numbers called because, quite frankly, State got lucky. Uh, I don't know if lucky is the word or not. I mean, but. To be healthy at that position mm-hmm. with those two guys all year, yeah, not have any issues whatsoever. Yeah. I consider that you know Very a little lucky. a little bit of of luck. Yeah. So, I you know that you can't count on being completely healthy. You think that uh, Darcel McBath tells them on a running play, "Don't worry about getting your head in there. Just just try to keep the play sort of." Contained. I don't know, man. They're still doing it. Yeah, <laughs> in practice, there's they're still bringing it in practice. Then we have the safeties. Again, this is a position where you have you've got about eight guys here that have played major snaps. Uh Emerson, I'm sorry, Duncan, Peters, Kraft, Lawrence, Preston, and Morgan have all played a lot of snaps for Mississippi State. Jalen Green's played plenty of snaps for Texas. And then you've got a talented a redshirt freshman in Janari Dean. You've got guys here. I've been saying this for, for months. There's guys but not a star. Can there be a star in that group? Is it Duncan? Is it Green? Who is it? Jalen Green. Okay. He's he's uh he's probably the the biggest impact guy that I've seen that in that group. But this is this group this might be their their deepest group on defense. This might be their best group. 
And last year, and it sounds strange to say because last year so weak they they were they were thin. They were really they started thin. a walk on in game one, and he started the whole year. They had two walk ons playing season, playing yeah. most of the season yeah. back there in the back end, yeah. and then you had Colin Duncan who had played no defense mm-hmm. at that time, and Sean Preston who had played very little. Yeah. So that was your safety group last year, and they perf- thought they performed pretty yeah. well. Yeah. But now you add in an impact transfer in Jalen Green, mm-hmm. who looks and like Fred he's, he's going to be injury. legit. Fred Peters is back. Colin Duncan is is very improved. You're better. And so, and then you got C.J. Morgan right now, yeah. who's probably running third team. Yeah. At, so at safe, Bulldog safety, you got to feel good about that. When you've I got mean, guys who've started games for you as your third teamers, that, that's that's depth. Yeah. And Morgan, I don't know what kind of contribution he can make on the field. Off the field, the guy's a leader. The guys will rally. He's huge to, to have back. I mean, yeah. he could be staying on and the sideline and be an impact. He'll make guy. some plays this year. So yeah, let, let me just just take it through the defense. Let's do all eleven. So the ends, you're going to say Harris or Crumity, uh, Young, Charlton to start game one with Wheat, Watson, Brule, Emerson, Duncan, Green, Peters, Forbes. Yes. All right. And then offensively, Rogers, Marks, Polk, Griffin, Wally, Williams, Cross, Jones, Sharp, Johnson, that's Dollar Bill, and Lashley on the line. Yep. There it is. That's your MSU depth chart brought to you by Robbie Falk. And Brian Haydad. And Brian Haydad. I feel like I had some, some role. All right, yeah, let's move to on to the second half of the show. We're going to have a few laughs here in the second half of the show. And that's brought to you by our good friends at Welcome Home Beef. I was at Val's Marketplace today, and man, they got so much great beef in the meat counter there. You need to get over there and grab you some of it. Whole tri tri tips. I mean, you can get a two and a half pound tri tip for twenty bucks. That's a that's a good family meal that you can put on the grill. They don't take long to cook on the grill. Less than an hour, you can have a great meal right there ready for your family. And, of course, if you really want quick and, and convenient, they've got the pre-made meals. Uh, was it Thursday night? I enjoyed some of their sweet and smoky barbecue beef. Ooh. Delicious. Really good. I just put a little touch of my own barbecue sauce in there, and that thing made some f- fantastic sandwiches. And I mean, it's ready. You just got to heat it up. That's all. That's all you got to do. You're talking about if you're if you're a busy. Uh, so that's family. what you cooked the other day. I thought that was like a Boston butt or something. No, no, no. This was Thursday night. This was oh, just okay. For yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. You I, did cook a ball. I cooked butt. a butt on Saturday. Okay, I was like, dang, I can go get that and put it in the microwave? No, no, that that took nine hours. <laughs> That's <laughs> a so, little different. I thought so. I was like, these guys are revolutionary. <laughs> Plus, that's pork. This is welcome home beef. That's true. That's not wel- true. Not welcome home pork. Yeah, uh, you're right. You're right. So that said, give them a look at Val's Marketplace or any other local market that's carrying Welcome Home Beef products. If your local grocery store doesn't carry Welcome Home Beef, find out why. Call them and call Welcome Home Beef. That number is 662-268-8148. Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District will be... Bu- I can't wait to see Two Brothers this weekend. You know that patio is going to be packed, the balcony. All of the great people of uh, Starkville will come together there in the Cotton District, and they'll be enjoying fantastic food, great drinks, and a great time at Two Brothers. Make sure you're one of them. Get there early. Stay stay there as long as you can. Enjoy yourself at Two Brothers Smoked Meats, smoked southern soul food in the heart of the Cotton District. Advantage Business Systems has a two-way plan. Just like Mike Leach and Zach Arnett, they've got you covered both ways. The offense is this. They've got a selection of products, services, and technology that every business needs to survive. If Whatever your business needs from a technological standpoint, copiers, computers, software, printers, anything, 
They've got an advantage business systems. The defense is everything's backed up with A-plus customer service, the kind you would expect to get from your next-door neighbor. And that's what Advantage Business Systems is. They are a local business, first and foremost. They serve Mississippi and have been for 46 years. Call them today and find out what they can do for you. That number is 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. So we were you know, college football is back. We were I watched some games uh, this past weekend, obviously, and uh, the, the 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 number one game of the weekend was Illinois and Nebraska. The return of Brett Bielema to the college football coaching ranks. Our friend Matt Stevens surely having a great time uh, covering him. And then of course Scott Frost at Nebraska. I saw a great uh, tweet that said the definition of rock bottom is having your season end in week zero. And that's I- what it is for Nebraska. I'm a little. Uh, I guess I I was never like just super yeah. sold on Scott Frost. I, I thought he would be successful because he I was just, so successful. I thought he'd before. be successful, but they were hyping him up like he was well the best coach. Let's in football. get into that um, because this list is incredible. It really by is the something way. to look at. We're going to talk about this in just a second. Um, and of course, you go back. I heard that Tim Brando's being a real uh, Nancy on Twitter. Because somebody found a tweet of his where he said he was that Frost would win multiple national titles. Oh, Nebraska. you mean the guy that was best friends with Keith Jackson that found out a year after he died that he died is yes. and then just tried to tried to prop that up. Yeah, he got upset at people for correcting him. Is yeah. upset about this? Okay, Tim Brando and I. Brando's an announcer is perfectly acceptable. He's a good announcer. Yes, but he's one of these guys who became popular when there was no internet. There was no social media. There were like 10 games on every week. And he got to talk to all the coaches and everything. And people, he had information that people didn't have. Mm-hmm. Now everybody has this information. Everybody yeah. watches every game. And so he, he hasn't adapted with the times. He hasn't done a good job. Of that. He's thin-skinned. There's no way around that. Oh, nobody can say anything to that guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he will not admit when he was wrong. I mean, yeah. like I said, I mean, he said he was best friends with Keith Jackson and quote tweeted a tweet that got retweeted from a year prior. Yeah. Thinking that his friend just died, he, he was wrong. So, oh. so we found. So we were. I got to thinking about 2018, and and that may how that may very very well be one of the worst crops of head football coach. I guess this is where I would do. I guess next week this will be coffee is for closers. No coffee for Nebraska. We're not gonna do it this week. So this is some of the, the list, and we found this article. And poor, I don't know who Stephen Lasan is. He works for Athlon Sports, buddy. You got you cold take yourself on this one, so let's just listen in here. His grading the college football hires for 2018, he only gave out one A plus, and that was to Nebraska. Let's read the uh, let's read the description here. In terms of fit and need as it relates to the 2718 college football coaching carousel, it doesn't get much more perfect than Frost at Nebraska. The Nebraska native and former Cornhusker quarterback returns to his home state after a successful two-year stint at UCF. After a winless 2015 season, the Knights improved to 6-7 and seven in Frost's first year. And Frost capped his UCF tenure with a perfect 13-0 season, a Peach Bowl victory over Auburn, and a number 6 final ranking. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, national championship. Yeah. Considering Frost's ties to the program as a former player, he knows what it takes to succeed in Lincoln. Nebraska needed to make a big move in order to become a Big Ten power and close the gap on Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Frost's arrival will certainly do that in his return in Lincoln. <laughs> wow! 
couldn't have screwed that one up. Here's correct me. Tell me what you think about this, right? If a coach goes thirteen and zero in his second season, isn't that really speaking to what a good job the predecessor did in terms of recruiting? I know they were winless, but obviously he left them some players. Unless Central Florida well, was hitting the transfer portal long before it was a thing. Yeah, some somewhat, but then yeah, like you know, I I, I can't remember what their roster was, but they had good players. It also could speak to just how good a coach Scott Frost is to develop those players, but then you look... You look at what he's done since then. Yeah. I mean, we went to Omaha this year, and I went with John Sokoloff. Theodorosa was with us as well. We went to uh, Lincoln one day, and they actually have a pretty cool setup. You can walk... Anybody can walk in the stadium. There's a certain place where you can like walk through a gate, and it takes you to a designated area, and you can walk in... You know, throughout the day, whenever you want to, stand in there and kind of see the stadium. And uh, that's my second time there. You look around, they have all the championships up there and everything. They haven't been relevant since the 1990s, really. Yeah. When, when was the last really, really good team that they had? They played for the national title in 2001. Did they? Yeah. Okay. So but early 2000s fairness, was. They a- lost their conference championship that year. They weren't the, They were not the big 12 champions that year. And they got beaten by about 40 points by Miami. I mean, they got hosed by Miami. It was ugly. It was Eric Crouch was on that team. He won the Heisman. Yep. Since then, you know, they had they with Frank Solich, it's been sort of a downhill. They, they they let him go, and it's just been downhill ever since. Nebraska is not what Nebraska was, and they never will be. There was a time where Nebraska got the best players out of Texas and and uh, and uh, Florida and California. They don't do that anymore. They took a lot of uh, back when Prop 48 was a thing. Nebraska were the kings of it. Yep. But that they, they took advantage of a lot of opportunities yeah. Which, in the past that, that's means, not going to exist you know? anymore, and so. it's it, they'll never be able to get to where no, they were. Those days know? are over because they don't have the talent in state to do it. Uh uh-uh. uh So I mean, it's so. at the point now where it's too late. Number one, Frost A plus. No, Mullen comes in second here, gets an A. I can live with that. Totally acceptable. Number three, Chip Kelly. He got an A. I mean. <laughs> You you can give you can give Mullen an A here, and mm-hmm. I think that was a very safe hire for mm-hmm. them. But Florida fans are not going to give him an A no. if he continues. Of course, Scott Frost could have had that job. Yeah, and the reason Mullen has that job and not Tennessee is because Scott Frost turned it down, and because Chip Kelly Chip turned Kelly it down. turned it down. Yeah, he was number three, I think, on their list. So UCLA and A, I mean UCLA has not been good under Chip Kelly. This is the year where it looks like maybe they're going to turn it around. We'll really find out this week when they play LSU. Right. This guy's the best hires. Number four, Jimbo Fisher. He got an A minus. Yeah, he sh- he should have been number, number one. one. Yeah, no question about it. He's number one. And should have been number one. He one should have. Well, well, he was Florida telling State, off at Florida, Florida State. Florida State was falling apart. There. You're right. You're right. I, f- I totally forgot about that. You know, but that said, but he, he won a national championship. He's a national championship. Yeah. Number five. I forgot this guy was in the class. Willie Taggart. Oh. Two years at Florida State, never made a bowl, fired. Career losing record before he was hired by True. Florida State. True. My A minus. I never got it with him. I never understood it. Outstanding uh, recruiter, but that's it. Him, him and uh, the guy we're about to talk about here, a couple of people down from mm-hmm. the next one. Number six, Joe Moorhead. Got a B plus. Everybody was everybody was really good with that on, hire. On paper, everybody loved this. Made hire. sense, and it, it made perfect sense right up until they played Kentucky. Yep, you know they crushed the they won the first game. They crushed Kansas State. I, they went up there to Kansas State. Kylan Hill rushed for two hundred some odd yards, and I thought 
this team is really good. And beat down Louisiana Lafayette, or whoever that him. was in game one. Yeah. Chad Morris is number seven. He gets a B plus. That's the other guy. Like no, I don't understand. I don't understand what we've seen. Fourteen and twenty-two before he got to Arkansas, which now he's like thirty games below five hundred as a yeah. head coach. He was hired as the head coach of an SEC team in twenty eighteen. In twenty twenty one, he's coaching high school football. He should never coach. Be a head coach in college no, football. Ever never again. again. No. Number eight was I had forgotten this guy Kevin Sumlin at Arizona. Yeah. Awful. Was just awful. What what's he doing? Is he is he I, still I at Arizona? No, I, was he? No, he's not at Arizona anymore. They they hired uh, Jed Finch this year. Remember? And see that's that that should tell you everything you know. I don't we don't know what he's doing right now. Let's see here. Right now, he is just. I guess he's just enjoying that buyout life, as he should. Yeah. So his last game, <laughs> they lost to Arizona State last year. 70-7. to seven. Yeah, that was awful. I remember watching uh, that game, yeah. So, and he was like, you know, seven or eight wins at A&M every yeah. year. He, he didn't just tank, but well, here, had all those resources. Here's, here's how, how he went. He was 11-2 and two and 9-4 and four with Johnny Manziel. Then he goes 8-5, and 8-5, and 8-5, and 7-5. and five. He loses Kyle Allen to the transfer portal and Kyler Murray to the transfer portal. By the and then by the end of it, he's starting. Remember who was it? Uh, set, who was that guy? Trevor Trevor Knight, the guy from Oklahoma that Baker Mayfield beat out. Was it him? At yeah, that he point? came down yeah. here. Yeah. Then he goes to Arizona, five and seven, four and eight, zero oh and five, and you're fired. Ooh, that's just rough. Number nine's Jeremy Pruitt. B for him. Yuck. I mean, is it? It's incredible. There were four coaches hired in the SEC that year. Fisher's clearly number one. Who's number two between Pruitt, Moorhead, and Morris? I just fight with a plastic knife. I mean, it's awful. See who cuts. Pruitt got three years. Moorhead went to two bowls. Moorhead was the most successful. Yeah. I mean, at he 11, lost to Pruitt. But. At 11 is the easy number two, and that's Billy Napier. His you first skipped year. out on Steve Campbell, who well, might be more successful than the other guys. Well, he's been fired. He's not in Central. He's not in South Alabama anymore. How long was he there, though? Those three years. So he was there longer than Moorhead. Yeah, he was there 18, 19, and 20. And now Kane Womack's the head coach there. So he was more successful. I guess he was more successful than Pruitt and uh, Moorhead. I guess. Well, yeah. no. Moorhead, Moorhead, Moorhead went to two bowl games and beat Ole Miss twice. Yeah. I mean, so, on the field was not why Joe, although it wasn't as good, Joe Moorhead, that's not why he was fired. It's it's just crazy that we like we we consider that like a disaster because mm-hmm. he only lasted two years. And they went to two bowl two games and beat Ole Miss twice. And beat Ole Miss twice. Billy Napier is number two in this list, but he's the eleventh for real. Number twelve is Sonny Dykes, who's done great at SMU. Took over for Chad Morris, and they immediately got better. Sonny Dykes and um, Napier both B minuses. Yeah. Number thirteen, B minus Mario Cristobal. Oh, maybe he should be number two. Oregon's a great program now. Mario Cristobal. Shoot, I would consider. He he might be number one. Cristobal is probably the odds-on favorite to replace Nick Saban. I mean, because Dabo's not taking that job. I I would I would put him right up there with Jimbo Fisher yeah, with what do. he's accomplished so far. Yeah, Matt Luke fifteenth. That's about right. Josh Heupel was sixteenth at Central Florida. He went to two bowl games. Yeah, and the, uh, I mean he he worked himself into a SEC job and kind of maintained things at Central Florida for the most part. 
And then dead last on this list was Herm Edwards at 21, who hasn't been a, a super success at Arizona State, but now the program is about to be ravaged by the NCAA, evidently. So he, he finally nailed one there. Yeah, he gave them a D minus, but for not the right reasons. He just thought he wouldn't win enough. He didn't see that. Hey, this guy who doesn't know how to coach in college is going to, you know, just let people do whatever they want. Yeah, it wasn't really that he wasn't winning enough. You know. Yeah. Oh, he's still there. I mean, you know. That's that might be the worst crop of coaches in the history of the sport. Really bad. Twenty-one hires and f- four of them are good. That, and that was, and can you really fault the guy? I mean, who wrote that article? You well, can't. The time you thought you can't Scott imagine Frost. that these are going to be disasters. Yeah, I guess five. We'll take Mullen into account. But yeah, you can't. When Scott Frost was hired, I think everybody thought he, you know. He just had an undefeated season in Central Florida. He'll do well at Nebraska. When Moorhead was hired, like, his offense with Nick Fitzgerald, that'll be great. And you just didn't know. You know Chad Morris had the reputation. He worked with Deshaun Watson. Had the reputation of an offensive innovator. You know, Pruitt had worked under Saban. You felt like yeah, it just didn't work. So, oh, well. A new college football season is upon us. Tomorrow, we'll see our first SEC picks of the year as Robbie and I will go head-to-head for the first time. Plus, we'll recap everything Mike Leach says in his press conference, if he has it, uh, plus a lot more. So, But he's not having it. Yeah, oh, that's right. He's not having it, we don't think. He's not having it, period. You just don't think it's going to happen? They've, we've oh, Tomorrow, they, he's not having it. Did they already send out another message? Well, the first message said that, that they are not having it tomorrow. Uh, the first message said that... The in-person is not happening. They may do Zoom, but it just depends. They didn't want to commit to anything. I, I just assume that, mean, that I, means I don't think more. they're going to have it either, but we'll see. Okay. We'll see what happens. Um, also, I'm back for another year on the Tailgate Show uh, on uh, Super Talk here in the Golden Triangle 100.9 KBBFM. Uh, so check that out this weekend. I will have an interview with Coach Zach Arnett on the Tailgate Show, plus some thoughts uh, leading into Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech. More details on that uh, in the coming days. Guys, have a great uh, Monday, back with you on Tuesday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.